This is Revive Chicago. Listen and be changed. Uh, Today, I want to talk about the voice of God and hearing the voice of God. And I've got kind of two things that I really feel like God put on my heart today. And some of it, it's it's weird. It's It's a weird message in my mind for how I usually prepare and what God usually puts on my heart because most of the time I feel like it's for you. <laughs> and today I felt like part of the message is for you. And part of the message is something that I need to declare, something that I need to speak, that I feel like God's putting on my heart for not just our city, but for our nation. And so I'm interested to see how God directs this as, as we move forward. And I just, um, I really felt strongly, like when we talk about the voice of God, a lot of us kind of think we know. We think we know what it is to hear God's voice, or um, we're like really unsure. Like people are, I find that people get like religious really quick, and they're like, yeah, I know what it's like to hear God. And then other people, like, they just feel like they never know. Like, is this God, or is this not? What is this? And it's just kind of nebulous. Like, where Am I hearing God? Is this just myself? Is that the devil talking or what's going on here, you know? And so there's sometimes confusion around hearing the voice of God. And for myself, like I grew up in church and I've kind of been around the church lingo and how people talk about hearing from God all my life. And I've heard people talk about hearing God audibly. Like as you're hearing me now through your ears and they're they're telling me about experiences where You can hear God audibly. And I've found in my Christian walk that that doesn't happen super often. Can God and does God talk audibly? Absolutely. But most of the time, I get get him talking to me in my spirit man. I have this, uh, we'll, we'll even say like, I know it in my knower. And I almost don't know how to describe it, but it's so articulate. So it's so clear and I feel it in my heart. And it's like God is speaking to me and I know what he's saying instantly. There's other times where I feel like it's like, it's like a, it's not audible whisper, but it's like in my head. I hear him in my thoughts. I fear, I hear him planting things, ideas in my head that start to gain traction and he doesn't let it go. And so this passage today that we're going to kind of mine through is talking about the voice of God and hearing the voice of God and understanding that he speaks today. There's even, there's even parts of Christianity that says God doesn't speak today. There, if you go and sit in some churches, they will tell you that God's not actively speaking. And I get their heart in it because what they want to say, they're trying to elevate this. They're trying to elevate his word, right? Now we have the written word of God. And this is elevated above anything I hear. Okay, so this is one of the ways, like, how do you know it's the voice of God? Well, it has to line up with this. Okay, it has to line up with this. So anything that I hear needs to be submitted to his word. Because if I hear something different or outside of the character and nature of God that we know from his word, then then I know that's not him. That's how I know it's his voice or not. Right. And so as we're as we were talking about it today and learning to discern, I want to be clear, like when I hear the voice of God or say you need to hear the voice of God on a regular basis in your walk, I'm not saying you're going to hear some new revelation 
like the Mormons did and start something new. Okay, that's not the type of hearing from God that we're talking about. We're not talking about starting some new religion. We're not talking about hearing a voice that says, go jump off a cliff, right? We're, we're talking about what the Word of God says, what the Word of God says about us, and the Word of God says about you. And it's got to be submitted to the Word. So I believe that the Word of God teaches an active voice of God. Jesus Christ is what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he's the same today as he was yesterday or back when this was written, that means he's actively speaking. He didn't stop. He's talking all the time. The word of God is continuing to proceed from the mouth of God, right? Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That means it's still proceeding from the mouth of God. God's still talking. God didn't finish writing a book and then go mute. You know what I'm saying? I think that's important to understand. Like, we can't fall for those teachings that say God doesn't talk. God doesn't do anything today. Everything that's going to happen or everything that needs to be said is written in his word. God's still talking today. God's still revealing himself today. But it must be in submission to his word. His word is the higher authority. It's the higher authority. So I'd like you to turn with me to the book of John, chapter 10. And when we talk about hearing the voice of God, I think this is just a perfect example. And it's one of those that we tend to get religious about real quick. And so Jesus is, it's a good reminder because he essentially calls us dumb sheep. And I don't like to think of myself as dumb, but I, I need to remember, like, when I start to think I know, that's usually when I'm getting off or wrong, right? When I think I already know, then I'm blocking off or cutting off that word from getting to speak to me, to correct me, to lead me, to guide me, right? That's when I'm getting a religious heart. And so in this passage, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He's specifically talking to the Pharisees. So um, we're going to start in chapter 10, but the context is actually in verse 9, or in chapter 9. So what I think a lot of, a lot of us don't realize as we're reading our Bibles because we, uh, we're used to the chapters and verses. But the chapters and verses weren't there when the Bible was originally written. Somebody added those later in about the 1200s, okay? So it makes it useful for us because now we can go and find a line or two Back when this was written by John, he's saying everything in context. Okay, he's telling us a story. And so if we start in chapter 10, we're just like kind of jumping in on this new idea. And I can't, we don't have time today to do the full context and do a full study. But what I need you to understand is in chapter 9, he's specifically talking to the Pharisees and religious leaders. Okay, and he just got done basically calling them blind. And then in verse 1 of chapter 10, he says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his sheep by name and leads them out. 
And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Isn't this awesome? Sheep, as dumb as they are, know someone's voice. They can recognize a voice and follow the voice that they know. If they don't recognize the voice, they won't go. They'll actually run away. They'll run the opposite direction because they get start to get scared, right? And here's a, like, for those of us who aren't shepherds, me included, I had to do a little bit of study on this. Like, how does this work? Like, what is Jesus talking about with the, sh- with the sheep and the flocks and all that? And the way that the way that they would shepherd their flocks during this time period is they often grazed different flocks together and then they would have to separate them either for the night or when they went off to go to a separate pasture. So sometimes there's like, you look at a hillside and there's eight shepherds out there and maybe there's four different flocks and there's two shepherds for each one and the sheep kind of mix and mingle a little bit or they all have a shared pen And so they would all go to the shared pen for the night and each shepherd would count out their sheep or call out their sheep by name to go out to pasture during the day again. So at night there was this protection, there was this covering and they would usually build a hedge. They might have a wall or a little cave and then they would put like briars to keep animals out or other thieves out, kind of covering over the wall. And so there's this picture of like a wall. We could maybe picture it circular or something like that. A wall, a protection. For the sheep, and then the shepherd's calling out his sheep one by one. He knows them by name. And I think we forget that too when we're talking about the voice of God. That he knows our name. And in this sense, we're all sheep. Like I'm the pastor up here. I know I'm like your shepherd or whatever, if that's what you want me to be. But like uh, in a in a much larger sense, like we're all his sheep. I'm one of his sheep too. And I think so much in Christianity, we kind of like, you assume the pastor hears the voice of God, but maybe you don't always. And that's not scriptural. Like we're all in this, like Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd. He's my shepherd too. And there's not a distinction in Jesus' mind between me and you. We all get to hear the voice of God. You get to hear the voice of God. This isn't something that, well, just the pastor hears. Or maybe the pastor knows, God knows the pastor's name. Like, this needs, to be, this needs to be your shepherd. And you hear his voice, yourself. And you need to know and understand, he calls you by name. He recognizes you. Like, if I look at a flock of, like, 100 sheep, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. If I walked up and looked at 100, like, they all look like they're twins. Like, they all have the same... Like, unless they have different markings on them or something, and they're different colors, like, if God made them all, like, the colors of the rainbow or something, like, I'd be able to tell them the difference, right? Like, you're purple, you're blue, you're orange, right? But, like, they're all white, or they're all black, or maybe there's a few with speckles or something, like, but I'd have to be around them quite a while before I'm going to start to be able to tell the difference. And maybe even then, like, maybe even then, because I'm no, I I don't really want to get into that vocation. Uh, I'm not going to know, but... God, the shepherd gets to know his flock. 
And he loves them and protects them. And this is a reminder today that God knows you and he knows your name. And when he speaks to you, he can call you by name. There's like this intimacy there and there's this trust there. That's beautiful. And I think about that, I'm like, man, if even, if even just this lowly dumb sheep can know the voice of their shepherd, how much more should I, as smart as I think I am sometimes, know my shepherd's voice, my master's voice, and hear him talking, hear him speaking, hearing me call, hearing him call my name? I think that's something we can all have is getting to know our shepherd, knowing his voice. And in in verse 5, it says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away because they don't recognize. And this is important too because there's a lot of strange voices that speak. There's a lot of cultural voices that speak. There's a lot of religious voices that speak. There's a lot of political voices that speak and they sow confusion, they sow dissension. They, they're strange voices. They're strange to the word of God. They're not heeding this word. And they're trying to cause confusion. They're trying to make you question. They're trying to speak louder. And the shepherd didn't have to sit there and yell and yell and yell. Joe! Ben! Amanda, like he didn't have to sit there and like yell and yell and yell, try to get their attention. Like he just called their name and they recognized the voice and they followed. But I find that the stranger's voice usually has to yell and get repetitive. Push, 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 push. One of the ways to recognize the voice of the enemy is when there's this push, push, crushing push. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't need to do that. The Holy Spirit is usually a lot more gentle. The Holy Spirit is nudging you, leading you. Because he's connected with you. Some of us are hard-headed sometimes. And maybe the Holy Spirit has to speak to you a little sternly every once in a while. Any any takers? Yeah, like, I'm strong-willed. So sometimes he has to get a little boisterous, right? But I'm just saying, like, there's a difference between when I can tell the difference when I'm getting corrected by the Holy Spirit, right? Or when there's this voice that's just bombarding me. And a lot of times, a lot of times that voice is bringing up your past. But if you're following and listening for the voice of the Lord, Notice what the Lord is usually talking to you about. He's usually talking to you about your now or your future. I've found it pretty rare that he's bringing up my past. Why? Why? Why would he rarely bring up my past unless he's trying to deal with something in my heart? Because it's forgiven. It's washed clean. It's gone. In his mind, in his eyes, it's gone. That past thing that you keep bringing up, He doesn't see it anymore because it's covered in the blood. But we see it. We know it's there. We know the sin we committed, and we kind of get on this soundtrack. And we act like the voice of guilt is the voice of God. 
But the voice of guilt is not the voice of God. There's a difference between conviction that the Holy Spirit brings and the condemnation that the enemy brings. And we have to start to parse out the difference and recognize the voice of our shepherd and recognize that's a a strange voice. My shepherd doesn't talk to me that way. My shepherd doesn't try to bring me down or hold me back. My shepherd isn't constantly bringing up my past. He knows I'm a dumb sheep. (laughs) Right? But he's washed me clean. He's set me free. And my, my shepherd talks to me about my future. He talks to me about my future in him. It says, Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. That's in verse 6. So he's using a figure of speech, and obviously, like, we're sitting here, and I've kind of done a little bit of study on shepherding and expounding on it a little bit, so maybe you feel like you're getting a little bit of understanding. But do you remember who I said Jesus was talking to? Was he talking to 21st century Americans? No, he was talking to Pharisees, teachers of the law, the religious leaders of the day, who were supposed to know the word. So I'm going to have you turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 34, and this is what I think they missed. This is what they didn't understand. Ezekiel 34. Verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds and clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter of the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally so that they are scattered where there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food. For all the wild animals, my sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched for them or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and has been plundered and become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds. I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. Whew, that's heavy, isn't it? Jesus was talking to the religious leaders of the day and saying, I am the shepherd. And we don't have time to read it all. Chapter 34 is pretty long. 
But as chapter 34 goes on, it talks about the covenant that God made, and he's going to make a covenant of peace, and he's sending his shepherd, his servant David, to come and rescue the flock. And so when Jesus is talking in John chapter 10, he's actually referencing Ezekiel 34 specifically. And he's telling the religious leaders of the day, you have been devouring the flock instead of caring for the flock. And now the real shepherd is here, the good shepherd, and they're going to follow my voice. They're not going to listen to you anymore. God's removing you. Jesus was specifically referencing Ezekiel 34, and it says the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, did not understand what he was telling them. They're supposed to know their Bibles. It's because they were so deluded and so deceived, they didn't know that this was them. They didn't know that this was about them. And so they completely did not understand what Jesus was telling them. Most of the time when Christians read this passage, we assume that what's going on here in the accusation of thieves and robbers is about the devil. But it's actually not about the devil. It's actually not about the devil. This is about thieves and robbers. And he's telling the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, to their face, you are the thief and the robber. You have been consuming the flock for your own gain. And so this is the part of the message that isn't really for anybody in this room, but this is something that I feel is important for me to share, is that when Ezekiel 34 was talking about the shepherds consuming the flock, he was talking about the religious leaders of the day, and he was talking about the political leaders of the day that were consuming the people of Israel. And in their day, religious and political were kind of merged. It was the same thing. If you had religious power, you kind of had political power. In our day, we kind of live in this nice age of separation of church and state, and we, we kind of like that. But God looks at both positions as having authority, being over people, and supposed to be protecting people. And so this is the part of the message today where God is saying that religious leaders and political leaders are going to be starting to fall and be removed at an increasingly rapid rate. Those who have been devouring the people of God, those who have been devouring the people of America are going to be exposed and removed. And there's a falling that's starting to happen. And it's already started to happen in the church. There's already been religious leaders, people that have been devouring the flock that you've heard about in the news cycle that have been falling and getting removed for various reasons. God has been exposing them. And scripture says elsewhere that judgment always starts in the house of God. But it's not going to stay there because those aren't the only people being devoured and hurt. And so God is saying that the people of America have been being devoured and hurt. And this is going to start to shift and change. And there's going to be political upheaval. There are going to be some removed and some fallen for various reasons. And you're going to see an increase in this. You're going to see an uptick in this. Because God does not put up with shepherds like this. People who have been put in a position to help people, to care for the broken, to help the hurting, and then watch them devour and misuse and abuse their power. That is not right. And God does not stand for it. 
And so this is a season of falling. This has been a season of falling religious leaders because God's judgment starts in his house, but we're going to begin to see the removal and fall of political, re- political leaders who have been devouring the sheep. And in the midst of this upheaval, God needs those who know how to truly hear his voice. Because if you've attached yourself to a political leader as your savior, if you've attached yourself to a religious leader as your savior, if you're following different ones online and one of them falls, what does it do? It starts to rock your faith. It starts to shake things up. And you go, well, I trusted that person. I thought they were going to do this, this, and this. And I, I heard a prophecy about that person and, and this political leader and that, and that religious leader. People that are in positions of power and authority that behind the scenes you didn't know, I don't know, have been misusing and abusing their position. And if you put your trust in man, if you put your trust in hired hands, as Jesus goes on to say, then you are going to have a reckoning yourself because you're going to question whether you hear his voice. You're going to question, is it all true? What about my pastor? What about my leader? What's, what's going to happen? And there's, when there's a falling of leadership, a failing of leadership, a lot of people start to whisper. A lot of gossip starts to go forward. People start to write blogs and online articles, and they start to attack, and they start to accuse, and they start to undermine. And if you're following the person, if you're following the so-called hired hand, we'll say, then you're going to have inner turmoil in your walk with God. And this is a stage in your walk where if we're going to be prepared for the upheaval that's coming, and I don't know what that looks like. I'm not prophesying some doom and gloom thing. I'm talking specifically about the removal or falling of leaders at God's hand. You need to be prepared for that. Your walk needs to be prepared for that. You need to be able to hear the voice of God for yourself. You need to be able to trust that what you're hearing is from Him. You need to go and double check that it's lining up with His Word. Because just because the leaders have failed doesn't mean God has failed. It's actually the other way around. God exposes those leaders on purpose. It is judgment coming because he can't let it just go on forever. God is merciful, but he only stays his hand so long because he's not going to allow his flock to continue to get devoured. He's not going to just let innocent people continue to get devoured. And so his hand of judgment is his protection for the flock. And you need to be in a position in your walk with God to not be confused, to not fall yourself, to not fall because someone else fell. That's the accusation I hear about churches all the time. It's full of hypocrites. To me, that just that accusation sounds like a hypocrite talking. Because, yeah, we're all hypocrites. That's the reason I, that's the reason I go to church is to get rid of the hypocrisy. Like, I don't want to be a hypocrite. The only way I know to get rid of the hypocrisy is to give my life to Jesus and help him expose it in my heart and in my life and root it out. 
Well, we've determined that hypocrisy is something different and that somehow someone else's hypocrisy means that God isn't real or that God can't or won't speak to you. All leaders are human. All leaders will probably let you down at some point. But there are some who devour the flock and there are some who protect and help. And until the moment of judgment comes, you don't always know the difference. When there's headlines that go out and the famous televangelist or the famous pastor falls, people struggle. You know what? It's understandable. But what it should do, instead of causing you to run from God, like it's the strange voice, it should cause you to run to God. When someone else falls, when a hypocrite gets revealed, when judgment comes, you need to make sure your faith wasn't in that person. You need to run to the shepherd who is Jesus, the good shepherd, the faithful shepherd. That's where you need to run. That's where those of us in this house need to run. We need to understand how to hear the voice of God. We need to know our Bibles. We need to be able to be connected with him on a regular basis so that when those headlines come, we're not shaken. So that I'm not shaken in my walk with God. Jesus was telling the religious leaders to their day, to their face, that they were those who devour the flock. And they were so deceived, they didn't understand what he was saying. And so he realizes that they don't understand what he's telling them. Because he's Jesus. So let's continue on. We're going to flip back to John chapter 10. And I'd encourage you to go back home and study this out. See where I got this. See how it's connected. But it is, in my mind, impossible that John 10 is not referencing Ezekiel 34. In context. So Jesus realizes they don't understand what he's telling them. And he goes on, verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus is the gate. This has got to be a church, Revive Chicago, where Jesus is the gate. Not the pastor, Aaron, is the gate. I'm not the gate. Jesus is the gate. I'm here to make much of Jesus. I'm here to help you connect with Jesus. I'm here to help you when you're hurting, when you're broken. I'm here. That's what my job is. But I'm here to point to Jesus, not to have you look to me. Jesus says, all who came before me were thieves and robbers. And it's interesting. Jewish law actually made a a distinction between a thief and a robber. In our mind, it looks like, It's kind of redundant, like just say one or the other, you know? What's the difference between a thief and a robber? And a thief was one who actually snuck into your home. 
or snuck into a place to specifically steal. So a thief didn't enter through the door, they'd enter through the window. They'd enter through some other way. They'd dig, their hole, dig a hole or some, some sneaky way. They would specifically not enter through the door unless they were trying to sneak in. A robber was someone who accosted you on the side of the road or lay in wait for you. And so in Jewish law, each one kind of got punished differently. And the reason Jesus is referring to them as thieves and robbers is because some of them were stealthy and sneaky and they'd snuck into homes and they devoured and people didn't even realize they'd been stolen from. And others were lying in wait. They were right in your face, stealing from you, on the road, beating you up, taking your things. And so there was an element in their, as, as Jesus is talking, like they're getting this word picture of thieves and robbers. And all of the people that Jesus was talking to would have known what he was saying. And so he accuses them again to their face. All who came before me, those of you standing here before me, were thieves and robbers. Woo. I love how Jesus is like simultaneously like gentle with us and like loving and compassionate. And then he's like really brutal to religious leaders who are devouring. Like he's telling them to their, like this guy's got guts, right? Like we kind of think of Jesus sometimes like gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Like we got this, like the lamb on our sh- his shoulders, like the good shepherd, right? But like when it comes to protecting his flock, he's got the swords out, guns blazing. He's ready to protect. He's ready to stand up to the enemy. He's calling these Pharisees, thieves and robbers, to their face. It's pretty awesome. I can't even imagine standing up to a religious leader and telling them, you're just a thief and a robber. Like, how would that go over? Walk into some cathedral, just call him a thief and a robber, walk into some church, you get dragged out. Jesus is just out in the open, telling them to their face, this is what you are. And I don't know if you notice here, but another thing that Jesus does is he switches metaphors. So he talks about how he's the shepherd and the sheep know his voice. And then when he gets to verse 7, he switches from saying, I'm the shepherd to I'm the gate. And then when it goes on, we're not going to get all the way through John chapter 10, but when he goes on again, he switches back to good shepherd again. And this is kind of interesting because in ancient days, like they didn't mind mixed metaphors. In our day, we're like, so which is it? Are you the shepherd? Are you the gate? Like, which one are we going with here? (laughs) Right? But in their day, they didn't mind the mix of the metaphor. But also what's probably happening is the, there was always, there wasn't always a gate to the pen. Oftentimes the shepherd would actually literally be the gate and lay in the doorway or the pathway. So you kind of picture that circle or oval or whatever it is for the flock with the little shallow walls and all the sheep go in and then who's sitting at the front protecting, standing in the gap all night long. He sleeps there 
He literally becomes the gate. The shepherd just sits there in the doorway because they don't have the wood gate. It's actually the shepherd himself has set himself right in the between the danger outside and the safety inside for his flock. Saying, if you're going to get my sheep, you got to go through me. You can't sneak in. I'm right here. You have to step over my dead body. And Jesus goes on and he literally says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's what a real shepherd does. He lays down his life for the sheep. He's not trying to protect himself. He's not trying to feed himself. He's not trying to get the best for himself. He's actually trying to get the best for them and lays down his life for them. That's what our Jesus did. That's what the good shepherd did. He became the gate for us. And then comes the famous line, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. This contrast, he didn't suddenly switch from talking about the Pharisees to talking about the devil, which is what we usually do. And obviously, like, the devil does come to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm not saying he doesn't, right? But he didn't switch. He's still talking about the Pharisees and teachers of the law. And he says, they came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm here. And I came that you might have life and have life abundant. Jesus came to flip it. No more is the, sh- is the sheep going to be stolen from. Jesus came that you could have life. Jesus came that you can have it to the full. And so this should become the filter through everything that you think is his voice. How do you know if it's the voice of God? Well, is this stealing, killing, destroying? Or is this bringing me life? Because if if Jesus came, if the good shepherd came so that you could have life, then that's how you need to filter things. The things that bring life, the things that bring abundance, the things that bring you joy, the things that bring you peace, the things that bring healing, those things are what he came to bring. That's the voice of God. The things that steal from you, the things that steal your joy, the things that steal your peace. That's not of God. How do you recognize his voice? This is the filter. This should be your worldview. If you've got thoughts going through your head, it doesn't mean it's of you. Scripture says elsewhere in Corinthians, he says to take every thought captive, what? Unto Christ. Take the thought captive. That puts you in a position of authority over your thought life. Not everything that goes through here is of you. There's thieves and robbers. Not everything that goes through here is of you. Think of, I mean, I joke about this sometimes, but like, think of the times when you're in the movie theater, and what do they do? They've got like the subliminal messages, and like the popcorn flashes up, and cola flashes across the scene. Like, you find out later, you watch the movie, and they're like, there was a plant for the Pepsi cup sitting there during one extended scene, and they paid like a million dollars for that five minutes to have their soda sitting there. 
People walk out of the theater, and what do they want to drink? It's a subliminal message, right? That wasn't you. You didn't plant it. There's something else planted there. I'm not accusing Pepsi of being like a thief and a robber, but they are coming for your money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, not everything in life that happens to you or that goes through your head is of you. But you need to be the one in a position of authority. Jesus is empowering you. He's saying, I've come that you might have life. So you filter out the things that aren't bringing you life. You stop it in his tracks. You take it captive unto Christ. Take it captive unto Christ. It's not my job to hold it captive. It's not my job to sit and think about it and dwell on it and roll over it over and over and over in my head. It's my job to take it captive to him because he's strong enough. I'm not always strong enough to fight it. We've got to recognize when it's the voice of a stranger. We've got to recognize when it's not of God. We've got to recognize when it's a false shepherd who's actually out there to devour. We're the sheep. It's just as simple as that. I'm making it really binary today. This is this part's black and white. There's thieves and robbers. And there's a good shepherd. And I believe that God is empowering you to know his voice. To truly recognize the voice of God. But he's also preparing us as a body. He's preparing his church for whatever thing is coming. For whatever removal of leadership. I don't know what that is or what that looks like. But there's going to be a removal. There's going to be a falling, and it could be for any number of different reasons. But don't trust the headlines. Don't fall for the narrative. Just keep following the voice of your shepherd. Because it's probably not going to go down how you think. Some of you, maybe you're really political, you're into conspiracy theories, and you think I'm saying something that I'm not saying. I want to be clear. Okay, I'm not, I'm not espousing some conspiracy theory here. All I'm saying is that the sheep are no longer going to be devoured because God is going to step in and protect his flock. I don't know totally what it looks like, but he's preparing us and he's saying, listen to my voice. Come close to me. Run away from the stranger. Run away from the stranger. Run away from the strange voice. Come to me. Because I have come that you might have life. Not death. Not destruction. Not being stolen from. He's come that you might have life. Jesus came to bring us life. The full life. The abundant life. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Abundant life. Full life. Jesus goes on in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So here he's contrasting again as we close. He's contrasting again the difference between the Pharisees who are trying to get something from the sheep and Jesus who's trying to give something to the sheep. 
How do you know abundance is coming your way? When somebody is willing to give something. That's the, that's the way abundance happens. That's the way it grows. It's, it's somebody's giving of themselves. They're giving of themselves. Jesus came and laid down his life for the sheep so that you could have abundant life. So stop letting the enemy steal. Stop letting the voices of your past steal your abundance. God has, this says God has good ahead because you've got a good shepherd. That should be exciting. That should be thrilling. That should be something to look forward to. You've got a good shepherd who wants to have you, have you have a full life. That's powerful. So would you stand with me today? Thank you for listening today. Now it's time to put your faith into action by applying this word to your life. If you'd like help taking your next steps with Jesus, contact us at revivechicago.church. 